when did you first discover your flipping skill or or are you just now finding it in episode 156 of the flipping genius we will talk a little about the origins of flipping sort of a back to basics episode i'm going to talk about where i got started as well as answer a few questions that some of you have asked about accounting and and keeping on the right side of things legally If you buy and sell vehicles for a profit or you want to, you're in the right place. This is the Flipping Genius Podcast. Our number one goal is to help our listeners make more money. Every episode, we share information, ideas, and experiences of real-life car flippers. I'm Randy Lee. I'm the host of Flipping Genius. I've flipped cars most of my life for over a dozen years now. I've been a licensed dealer. I am working to build the best podcast about successfully flipping cars for a consistent profit. Let's get to it, flippers. For me, I think it all started when I saw a box in the garbage at work. (laughs) Uh, The box was a golf ball box, and work was the golf course where I started working as a caddy at uh, 10 years old. I, I, I grabbed this uh, this Titleist brand uh, golf ball box out of the trash can that was next to the pro shop at the country club where I was caddying. Uh, I started working when I was 10 years old. And uh, I pulled that, that, that Titleist box out. And later on, I filled it up with balls that I had found in the creeks and the woods and the weeds when I was out caddying. Uh, first, I washed those balls and I polished them and made them look as new as as good as new. Um, and then I I sorted them by by brand and by number, and I filled that box back up, turned them all so that they faced exactly the right direction, um, made it look like as close as 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 coming out of the retail store as possible. And, and the next thing I did is I found a place to sell my balls, and in the end, I learned that I could make more money selling golf balls on Mondays. Sometimes I could make more money on Mondays on my day off selling golf balls than I could all week long caddying and and working my tail off carrying heavy bags. Um, and that is when I think the flipping gene was born inside me or clicked on. And uh, ever since then, my eyes see things different than they used to. And that's what we're going to talk about today on Flipping Genius. So just thinking back in those days, um, <laughs> that was 1970, I believe, that I was that I'm talking about, because I am 62 years old now. And uh, I'll tell you how that, how that started. My dad, dad was a golfer, and... Uh, he, he had caddied when he was a young man. Thought it'd be a good idea for us to have that same experience. In a way, it was probably true. Uh, Dad put us in the front seat of his car, and, and, he, and he drove. In my instance, I was the only one driving out. He had brought my older brothers out years before. Drove me out there and said, pay attention, because uh, I'm only driving you here one time. It was a five-mile bike ride to the golf course eventually. But the first time he drove me in the car, introduced me to the caddy master. And 
there's lots and lots of stories about my time uh, at Inverness Country Club in Toledo, Ohio. That's where I where I uh, first became employed. <laughs> and the fact is, as I think back, uh, there were probably a few times before that that I had figured out some ways to make extra money. Um, make money. I didn't have extra money. It was the you know, I didn't get an allowance or any free money. Um, I think I think the the first thing that comes to mind is I used to pick up uh, Coke bottles and and take them back and get get the deposit money for them. And then I'd use that money for important things like football cards. <laughs> but uh, but when I was ten, I started making some serious money because you uh, you'd go out and you'd work every day, and I was expected to be at the golf course every day. Uh, month or, or Tuesday through set through Sunday uh, every every day um, Mondays the uh, the golf course was closed um, and uh, they they did some extra care to the golf course and the caddies could actually go play golf if they wanted to um, and I did I'd, I'd carry my five iron on my on my uh, my uh, JC Higgins bicycle my my hand-me-down bicycle from my my older brother brad and i would uh i would ride out there and i'd play nine or 18 holes with just a five iron and uh i could play pretty well for a kid with a five iron on a at a world-class golf course but uh it wasn't long before uh, i realized i could be making some money on mondays and that's how it started uh, it started when i first saw that box and i think the significant thing here is is that in my mind, it started with the box, not the balls, because I'd been finding golf balls with my dad. Uh, he'd take me, we called it golf ball hunting, and we'd go walk along, I'd walk along the creek, and dad would have hip waders on and go in the water in the in the, the creek, and we, we'd sneak in to the country club there and, and find golf balls. We'd go to the country club to go for the balls because those guys played the best golf balls. Um, they didn't buy the cheap golf balls like I would. Um, and so we'd find those titleless balls, which were the best ones at the time. And uh, I remember my dad would say, what'd you get? And I'd, I'd say, I got a titleless. And he'd trade me for a max fly or he'd trade me for a top flight. And he, he wanted the titleless. But that's fine, too, because I'd find top flight boxes and I, I'd find max fly boxes. And I'd, I'd get those because the guys at the country club would buy them out of box at a time. They'd also buy sleeves of the balls. Now, if you... Uh, if you're not a golfer, you don't know what I'm talking about, but a sleeve is just uh, one that carries three balls. And usually there, sometimes there'd be four of those inside the, the, the box of a dozen golf balls, which was how they usually sold them back then. And uh, my point being that that presentation was, was key. Uh, and you're going to say, well, Randy, why are you talking about this? But think about that. Think about that. Uh, I, I had... I had the golf balls, which is what people wanted to buy. But I recognize that part of the the fact, the part of the reason why people were willing to spend more money on those golf balls at the retail store, number one is they were in a retail store, but number two, when they when they when they got them, they looked they looked like new. So if I could make them look like new, I recognize I could get more money for them. So. Uh, I'd clean those balls up. I'd put them inside the sleeves and inside the boxes, and then I would I would uh, put them in a bigger box and I'd carry them out to the golf course, at to the public golf course, and that's where I decided to be the best place to sell them. We didn't have uh, eBay 
or uh, Facebook Marketplace or or uh, any tools like that at the time. I was too young to actually think of any other way to to uh, advertise the the uh, the balls or anything else I was going to sell. Um, but it wasn't too young to recognize that if I could get in front of potential customers with a product that looked uh, palatable, I, I could make a, a deal. So I, I I went out to the, I think it was about the fifth or sixth hole at the public course that was closest to me, which is about probably about a mile and a half, two miles away. And uh, I would ride through the woods and I would set up a little stand there. And I would sell those golf balls to the golfers as they came through on Mondays because that course was still open on Mondays. Uh, they only closed the, the country club on Monday. And the uh, the guys would would walk up and and I don't I can't remember exactly how much I got for a dozen balls, but I, I got a good price for them uh, because they had just lost some ball, some some balls on the water hole right before this. I remember I had thought that through, too. There was a a pond. Uh, on the hole right before the hole that I set up on. So the guys have just lost some balls and now they walk up and here's a kid selling what look, looks like brand new balls in the box. And he's selling them for about half of what you would pay for them at the, the local uh, department store. And uh, it, it worked pretty great. And and I, I, I also recognized that uh, I could sell other things there. Um, and I found other things to sell, uh, golf clubs that I would, I would find. Uh, I think I, I think I sold some candy. Um, I can't remember what else, but I had it all with me there, and I, it made sense that I could sell it. And if you think again, that all translates because when we get a vehicle now, all these years later, I I think I'm kind of doing the same thing. I'm looking at that vehicle and think and thinking, how can I maximize the value of this vehicle? So apparently. Uh, you know, shining up a car, shining up golf balls is pretty much the same thing, right? You want to make them look as presentable as possible and make people want to purchase them. Um, and then how can I make extra money? Now, we haven't really spoken a lot about it, but um, there's a lot of dealers who who are making a lot of money selling warranties. Uh, I sell warranties. I generally don't make any extra money. It's just something I like to tack on to a deal uh, to give people peace of mind, but I could be making an extra hundred, two hundred, three hundred dollars in in warranty money. Same thing if you are are, are finding a way to uh, sell a um, a maintenance plan, uh, or if you're financing. All these things are add-ons that you could add on to your deal and make more money down the road. Same kind of thing that when I brought when I brought candy bars inside the box and set up set them up alongside the. Uh, alongside the the box of balls it was also a, a a a what a learning ground when you're 10 years old and you're dealing with adults and some of those guys are pretty nice but some of them would try to steal your stuff some of them would would definitely try to get you down off your price and you had to learn how to negotiate and uh what a great uh what a great training ground uh ottawa park golf course was and <laughs> i also dealt i also learned about authority and uh, uh, the uh, the long arm of the law, because <laughs> because the, uh, the the guys that ran the pro shop there would come out, they'd get wind that there was a kid out there selling golf balls on the fifth or sixth hole or whatever, and and they'd come out there with their cart. Uh, fortunately, I was set up in a spot where I could see them coming, 
I'd box my stuff up. I'd throw it back on the front of my, my bike where I had a little uh, clamp uh, thing that would clamp down in the box. I'd strap it down. I'd jump on the bike and I'd ride back through the woods. I never got caught. Um, <laughs> so staying legal. Yeah, I, I don't think I was very legal at the time, but I was a 10-year-old kid. Nobody ever, I never got in trouble doing that. Learned a lot about negotiation. I learned a lot about asking for forgiveness, not permission. And uh, and that's something that that I, I, I still recognize today. Now, I think these days I lean heavily on doing things that I don't have to ask for forgiveness for because uh, the consequences are much more serious. And uh, and that's that's something I wanted to talk about a little bit today too. Um, it, it's uh, it is fascinating. The uh, it, it fascinated me as I started to think about that the the origins of my 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 flipping. Um, and and I'd love to hear your stories. If, if if you guys have stories you'd like to share about how you got into this mindset or how you got specifically into flipping cars, um, share them with me. Uh, flippingquestions at gmail.com or just go to flippinggenius.com, send me a message at our website or go to the car flipping forum. Uh, just search Flipping Genius on Facebook groups and you'll find the forum. If you're not a member yet, join Send me, send me uh, questions, send me uh, information, send me your stories, or or write me, and maybe you'll come on and 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 we can talk on on the podcast, and you can tell me some stories. There's there's some great ones that I, that I've already heard, and I I would love to be able to share them. But it's even better if you share your story with with our audience, and our audience is now in almost 80 countries around the United around the world, and in every state in the United States um canada mexico and you know like i said i think there's 78 countries that folks are listening so there's a lot of interesting stories to be be told a lot of a lot of things we could share with each other it'd be a lot of fun um like i said i, I want to talk about uh some other questions that folks have asked me about accounting and and and, and legal issues um and and before i do I, let me walk a little bit further as like i said the so golf balls got me started, but but there were other things that I that I learned to flip along the way. Bicycles I mentioned earlier. Um, there were there were record albums. I I found that I could buy these here and I could sell them there and make some extra money. I found ways to do that, and eventually it worked up to cars because that was really the first thing that I touched that had a significant value. And I recognized that I could buy a car that needed repair, do the repairs, get the benefit of having a, a decent looking car and then sell it for a profit. That's as simple as it was at the, at the, at the outset. And when I came back to it, when I formed uh, my current company and got a, 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 a car dealer's license in the state of Alabama and became a, a full-time uh, car dealer, by the time that came around, I had already done so much in the world of flipping in general, um, everything from musical instruments uh, to uh, clothing to uh, tobacco products uh, to uh, uh, sunglasses. Uh, there's there's just been tons of things that, that I have essentially learned to flip. Um, and, and a lot of my friends have done similar things. 
So when I got back to the car business, by then I had also done real estate, which was really a big inspiration for flipping genius because um, flipping is a term that I usually heard to do with with real estate and something that, that I had done quite a bit of um, and enjoyed. It, I had become licensed in three states uh, in real estate, did a lot of investment property and had a lot of success. But I recognized that cars, as you've heard me say, can be done for a lot less money. And the, the return on investment usually is even higher and quicker than with uh, with real estate. And that's that's the exciting thing about it. But the the other thing that you have to realize that you've got to abide by the laws of your state. And those states, those state laws are different from one state to another. Some of them are very similar. Um, but we've talked about that, about the limitations of how many cars you can flip without a dealer's license. Um, and that that is uh, different from one state to another. So it's something that you need to know about. Um, and then as you become a licensed dealer, that's what I think the laws get even more important to follow. Um, I, this is something that, that I, I recognize because I, I, I do some uh, part-time consulting and, and marketing work with the Alabama Independent Auto Dealers Association. You've had, you've heard uh, Randy Jones come on and talk to us about, about the AIADA and the, and the National Independent Auto Dealers Association. They do a tremendous job of keeping us informed of rule changes and law changes. And these rules and laws are significant um, there are some significant things that we need to know about, especially in the in the areas of of recalls and uh, that that we're, we're we're informing our our customers about potential recalls that are that are needed on cars. There's some some recent um, changes that are absolutely vital. If you're listening to my voice and you are a used car dealer and you are not aware of these changes, number one, write to me, write me and ask me. Um, I, I don't want to go into all the details right here, but send me a question at flippingquestions at gmail.com and I will I'll be happy to get back with you or get back with me, you know, through the website or through the, the forum. Um if if you have questions about this, better yet, reach out to your local association. Um if you're in Alabama, reach out to Randy Jones, because uh, he's he's where I'm gonna go. He's he has the answers. But these are answers you need to know. I've talked to you about the mandatory training and the mandatory uh, uh, setup that we need to to uh, abide by the the FTC rules for keeping customer information uh, filed properly. This is a mandatory rule change that, that that took place in December of last year. If you do not have the proper uh, filing setup, if you don't have the 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 organization set up properly you are in violation and you can lose your license and and you can be fined and the fines are hefty and i i i don't i i don't like just using the mic to scare you that's not it, it's not my goal but i i feel like it's my obligation my my obligation is to inform you and if you do not if you're not aware of that i think it was december 7th of last year there was the drop dead date that you needed to have this training. Now the associations are still training and they're still trying to get the, the folks in front of uh, the trainers so that they can have the correct documentation in hopes that they won't get caught, uh, you know, with, with, without the proper um, 
evidence in, in case they are audited. Um, and if, if, if this if this is unfamiliar to you, if you're a used car dealer and this is unfamiliar to you, write me, write Randy, reach out to us. Better yet, reach out to your local association and learn about this. It's, it's vital. Um, and I, and I'm, I'm not going to go into all the details of that because it, it's not sexy, but it's just absolutely essential. Um, another question that I've seen uh, come across a few times this week, and it's something we'll, we'll probably go into more, are accounting practices. And I, I, I'm disappointed. I, I planned on having uh, a gentleman come on and talk about uh, uh, dealer software um, and that never came to fruition. I, and I, I recognized it this week when I, I talked to my wife about it. And she said, I thought, thought that guy was coming on and, and uh, it, it, he never responded to me. Um, so if you're out there and you, you're in the uh, uh, dealer software business and you would like to come on and talk about your program, I, I'd like to have you on. I, I, I'm not even going to mention the company that I had uh, originally planned to have on. They, they do a good job. I know they do. And they could talk about the details of of uh, accounting and and growing and protecting information. And I'm sure they would talk about some of the information I just talked about uh, as far as rules and in, informing the public about, about uh, uh, recalls and the other paperwork that's necessary when you, when you close a deal. Um, but specifically, uh, somebody asked, you know, how do you, how do you keep track of, your uh, your expenses uh, on on a on a car flip and uh, now it, it was interesting because I I think what he was saying is he was doing a, a straight flip he was not a licensed dealer and he wanted to know do you report the income that you make on a car that you flip I always have um, and. I, I I don't I know that everybody always doesn't I know that's that's the truth but but I always have and the fact is that, that it's it's fairly simple I just use uh, spreadsheets um, and and of course I've I've always done I say always it is all my memory has always been that that there were many many vehicles flipped each year um, and actually the last. 13 or 14 years, those, those, the number is much higher than it was when I was just flipping. Uh, but still, there was a, a number of vehicles being flipped for profit. Uh, occasionally, I would lose some money. Um, well, I, I can't remember many times that I lost money in the early days. Um, but I, I, I do lose money on, on a vehicle or two every year. Uh, unfortunately, I don't try to, but it, but it happens. Um, and I, I, I simply keep, keep, uh, track of what I spent on, repairs what i spent on parts um and i subtract it from what i sell the vehicle for uh and we figure the profit out this it's not it's not rocket science but it could be done much more efficiently with a with a uh, uh a dealer software program i just i'm in a, a level that i don't feel a real need to, to use a formal software program i'm sure that if you're listening to me you could probably give me reasons why i should um, but I know I'm, I'm pretty accurate. Excuse me. Kickapoo Joy Juice. It's the best. <laughs> um, another thing uh, that somebody asked, uh, 
Oh, Randy, don't forget. Uh, <laughs> they asked about, uh, uh, oh, I know. Um, if you are buying your parts uh, without tax, do you have to collect the tax on the part that you bought? I thought that was an interesting question. And and I'm not sure uh, if if you figured out a way to uh, to buy parts without sales tax, but you're not paying sales tax to your state when you sell the product vehicle. I think that could be a problem. Uh, I think if you're if you are a uh, if you're just a straight flipper, yes, I know that when you sell the car, the, the individual will pay uh, sales tax on the car to the state. But I I believe that that the state is kind of getting skipped on the on the sales tax on the part. So I generally do not try to buy parts without sales tax. That's probably stupid of me. Some of the some of my vendors do do sell them to me that way. Um, however, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm double dipping. Now I think about it, I'm thinking out loud here because I, I, when I buy, when I pay my mechanic, they typically charge me a, a sales tax and then I charge sales tax when I sell the vehicle. So, uh, ultimately I guess I am, I am paying twice. So bad on me. Uh, I think I can straighten that out. I, I, I believe. And, and if you're an accountant and you'd like to address this further, and speaking of which, we had an accountant on back, oh, it was around that episode 115, I think. I'd have to look up the records, but go back and check that one out. And uh, if you're listening right now, uh, shoot, can't think of your name right now. I know you're down in Texas and you like to turn a, a vehicle around in, in uh, 48 hours or something. <laughs> it's been a lot of episodes. I don't remember them all, but if you've got something to add along these lines, uh yeah i'd love to hear from you and uh vic vic 45 I'd like to turn them around in 45 days i think that was it vic 45 uh vic if you're out there and you're listening you've got some things to add on on that on the accounting side uh we'd love to hear you vic's a member of the uh the uh flipping forum so you can see his comments on there too um it pretty pretty frequently does comment on there if you've got anything else to add along those lines share on the car flipping forum it's a very valuable uh, resource um so that's that's what i wanted to talk about i wanted to, i wanted to make sure that we are keeping illegal if you don't have any questions if you have don't have any questions if you make everything straight fantastic uh if you do have questions reach out to me flipping questions at gmail.com go to flippinggenius.com f-l-i-p-p-i-n-g-e-n-i-u-s.com and ask questions there or go to the car flipping forum form to search flipping genius on facebook groups and you'll find us there um, ask others and they will answer you the the guys that are on there the folks that are on there are doing a nice job of communicating i i really truly appreciate you who are very active on there and we're going to continue to try to grow remember every episode that that, that we do now is in in audio and video so if you're only listening to the audio you're missing my beautiful face and the flipping genius background that we reincorporated this month uh and uh, any other brilliant things that i that i put on video and you can uh subscribe to our our flipping genius youtube channel it is free and you can have access to, to hundreds of of uh 
video as we, as we make them, not only about uh, the the um, the podcast, but other information that we share, um, all available to you on the uh, the Flipping Genius uh, YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please subscribe. Please give us comments if you have questions. Please, if there's a uh, a questionnaire, please answer the questions. If you have comments to make, um, please make your happy, positive comments. <laughs> and if you got questions, ask ask those too. We love we love to have interaction with everybody. And I know we are far from perfect, but we're here to help. Our number one goal of Flipping Genius Podcast to help you make more money. And it's it's a lot of fun to hear the stories uh, where we do exactly that, and we get to hear some of the cool things that you're doing out there. And like I said, share your flipping stories. Share, share the origins. We'd love to hear that and love to share that with other people uh, with who listen to the Flipping Genius every week. And thank you for those of you who do. Who do and uh, please share us with your friends. Share us on social media. Uh, share links to the program so other people can, can learn. And uh, hey, let's work together. Let's make some money. Let's all become whipping geniuses. <laughs>